of how God can use us just like the song. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for that beautiful song, Jam and Sharon and Connors, and thank you, Mike. Uh, my name is Leah. I'm the wife of Jose Antunes, and we have three kids, Amelia, Athen, Lincoln, and we have a friend here today. I'm a massage therapist, a registered massage therapist, and I work at a physiotherapy clinic in Smith Falls. And I'm also uh, the director of a dance studio, Redeemer Dance Academy. Uh, there's a bit of a theme happening here at Northgate this month. Um, evangelism, right? Uh, from my understanding, Dan was given word that the foundation of this congregation is, is good. It's strong. And uh, what I take that to mean is that we are strong. You and you and you and you and me. And our faith has been built up through the Holy Spirit. And it's time now to reach out and extend ourselves just a little bit more, or a lot more, however the Lord um, leads you. Over the years, I've been, um, I've found myself in situations where there's opportunities to share about my faith. And um, I'll tell you one thing. If I thought that the words um, that were about to come out of my mouth towards someone when I'm about to share, if I thought for one minute that that would make or break their salvation, I wouldn't open my mouth. I wouldn't speak. So reflecting on all the opportunities I've had, and um, sometimes they're received and sometimes they're not, and whatever, it, all it comes down to is that I know that it's not my words. I know that it's not my own creativity or just having like intuition. It's the Lord working through me and speaking through me. Um, and so I feel that really um, those negative thoughts and self-doubt that kind of flood into our minds when we're about to share or we feel a little nudge from the Holy Spirit, of course, that's just the enemy talking, trying to discourage us and trying to keep us from doing something really special for God's glory. In fact, if you hear those little niggling words and um, things that tell you not to, if you have fear rise up, that's exactly when you should open your mouth because that's when something special is about to happen. Um, I had the privilege of meeting a man years ago um, as a client coming to me for massage therapy. They do a health history form, and so I was able to see that he had cancer. And um, speaking with him about that, just to make sure that the treatment I was going to administer wouldn't be contraindicated to his condition, we started sharing a bit more about it. And he was uh, somehow, well, not somehow, <laughs> Through the Lord, we were talking about faith and religion, and he shared with me that the latter part of his years, he had been studying Buddhism, and that gave him some peace and some joy at the time. But now that as he was facing um, end of life, he kind of paused, and he looked at me, and he said, you know what? I, I don't know where I'm going. And again, the Holy Spirit just... Had me, I just, I just spoke, and I said, well, I know where I'm going, and you can go there too. So I invited him to come to church, and, and he did, and, and um, Dan was right there, and the, and the lovely congregation um, just welcomed him in and his family, and I messed up, okay? Like, we took communion together, like, 
in our own little group with his family before everybody else. And I realized that that was wrong. And so it, it, like, it doesn't always look really good. Like sometimes it's messy, right? Uh, and that's the other indication that you know that it's really not about you, <laughs> right? Like I messed up. I didn't just play by the rules and God still worked. So I hope that's encouraging um, to, to you guys because in the end, this is the best part, and I almost stopped talking. I almost didn't say it. The best part, you guys, is that within weeks, that man passed away, but not before knowing the love of the Lord and, and committing to um, and accepting him as his savior. So I believe that really we're here. We're called to be used by the Lord. And I know I'm about to speak here today was very, was, I was very nervous about it because um, you guys are all people I respect so much and I really look up to each one of you. And so I, I asked the Holy Spirit, Lord, I've been asked to share it. I don't know what I'm really going to share about. I don't know what's so special about what I have to say. What is it that you'd like me to say? And the, the words that came to me were, I wrote it down, make some noise. Just make some noise, like open your mouth and speak. And that's all he's really asking us to do. Yes. Like, <laughs> cause you know, the noise of this world is very loud. It's so loud and it's pressing in on us every day. More and more there's distractions their sin. It's pushing in on our little dance studio. It's pushing into our homes. It's being brought into the clinic where people come and, it, and it's getting dragged in with them, the noise and the sin of this earth. So you and I, the ones who know the truth, God's chosen people, we're being asked to open our mouths and make some noise for his glory. So, um, Amen. Yeah, before we dismiss the kids, I'll just finish my little part of the story. I thought Leah did great, and she's a little preacher there, right? <laughs> Make some noise. But anyways, uh, this gentleman came to church, but then he ended up in the hospital pretty soon after. I, I think he only came a couple times. But would you believe it who his doctor was? Dr. Dan Kruselnicki. And so not only Leah's influence, but then Dr. Dan started to share with him and his questions. And when you believe it, that through Dan and Leah, I went to visit him in the hospital. And I'll tell you, I shared the gospel and within minutes, he wanted to pray to receive Jesus. And it's everybody doing their part. It's Leah's, it's Dr. Dan. It's whatever, whether we're planting a seed or harvesting, but God will do the work. Amen. And I think the encouragement, noise, plant the seed. And this is a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker. And this weekend is a little bit of go time. How can you plant that seed? How can you make some noise? So today, if you haven't done that, get on your computer, make a phone call. Uh, whatever it is, how can I pray for you? Whatever it is, but... As we do that, God will use those words for his glory. Amen. So Jesus, would you help us to proclaim your love 
We're not here to chastise anyone. We're here to share the love of Jesus and the confidence that we have as we believe in you and your forgiveness that heaven is our destination. So we give you thanks. Lord, for the many people that will reach out or have reached out or will continue to, we pray that you'll bless those seeds and bring growth. And we give you thanks and we pray this in your name. Amen. So kids, you can be dismissed to Sunday school. I'm going to turn on the lights. I don't know if you want to switch it over, Jim, or let it go. Oh, let it go. Okay, well, say hello to somebody and we'll get some light. Okay, uh, we'll just do a couple of announcements um, this morning. And just regular activities. I think youth group, stay tuned for an email, but I think they'll be outside this week. But the big thing, yeah, see who you can um, pray for this week and reach out. Uh, stay tuned for the midweek encouragement. We'll have another encouraging story, too, about people planting seeds. Um, so there's a new thing to that I've had a feeling and desire to do for a while, but finally kind of got to make it reality. Next to the offering box, we're going to have little cards like this. Or if you're not here, you can email to my email or the church's email. But what it is, they're just prayer cards. And all it says is we, we did this a long time ago. Just going to add to it a bit. But you know that we pray on Wednesdays. Usually Doug and I are here. We go for a prayer walk in the morning and then we have prayer in the evening. We're not a huge group, but it doesn't matter because we're two or three are gathered. And I think it's, it's great because it disciplines me to pray. So I'm just happy to do that. But a lot of you can't make it, I understand. And it's difficult during the week, but you have prayer requests. So we have these cards and you can make it anonymous or you can put your name on it. But all it says is... Uh, we want to pray for you. How can we pray? So all you would do is write your prayer request down there and we'll keep it for a, a month and pray for it definitely on Wednesdays. But I don't want it to stop there. I think God's working in my life over the past couple of years. Sometimes we pray for something and leave it. But a lot of times God wants to share with us about that prayer request. And there's been times when I have 
uh, prayed for people that God has given me a verse or a thought to encourage them in the midst of their prayer request. So on this, it just says you write your prayer request. And if you would desire, you write your name and your email um, underneath. So we have a way to contact you. I don't know if it's this mic, but we're ringing a bit. And then if the Lord would show Doug or I or Amy uh, an encouraging word or a thought while we're praying for you, we'd love to reach out back to you and share that verse or that encouragement. Because I really believe sometimes as we pray that God, to help us persevere, gives us words of encouragement. Uh, And we at Northgate believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So there might be a word of wisdom, uh, just a practical word. There might be a prophecy. And we want to share that uh, in just an encouraging, comforting way. So if you have prayer requests, uh, there's nothing too small for our prayer team. Uh, We'd love to pray for that. And if the Lord, I'm not saying he will. I guarantee you we'll pray for you. But if there is an encouragement that God would have for you, if you could just write your name or email. If you just want it to be anonymous, we totally understand that as well. There's absolutely no pressure. Uh, But if you do, these are, and then just like slip it in the offering box and I'll get it. And if you know people who might have requests who aren't here, they can just email them to me and it'll be the same thing. It can be anonymous or I don't want that. Uh, That's completely fine. Or I would desire to be encouraged by what the Lord would show the prayer team. So I think there's going to be great, great value in this. And I just see how the Lord through his word and through his Holy Spirit has encouraged me in amazing ways in the last couple of years. And uh, I think he'll do it the same. And I pray that this just continues and catches fire because our God answers prayer, right? Praise the Lord. And that's what today's sermon's about. How about that? Uh, My favorite topic, prayer. Um, So let's get into that. Lord Jesus, we pray for your word this morning. May it run deep. May it run swiftly into our hearts. And may we hear you this morning. I pray this in your precious name. Amen. So I do want to leave some time for prayer at the end. Because sometimes I personally sing another sermon on prayer. But we never get to pray. Um, (laughs) So we'll keep it somewhat short i say that and then i always go long so but anyways um we're in this book of Acts, sharing seeds and i don't know how many of you watched earl a couple weeks ago in the midweek encourage but he had one line he says if we don't pray we fall flat on our faces i love that that line i think he gave his earl chuckle right like <laughs> you know um and i'm like yeah it's true right and it's in all of life but when when we desire to see change in people that we love when we desire to see change in the church, when we desire to see change in ourselves, when we desire to see change in our country, uh, if we're not going to choose to pray, we're not going to see much. And I really believe that prayer is the, the engine to that. And in the book of Acts, the one story, and I'm not going to turn there other to mention it, is when Peter's in prison. And remember, they had that prayer meeting, and it says all night. And it was uh, in the house of John Mark's mother. And, you know, Peter gets out, and he knows they're there. There's no cell phones, by the way. Do you understand that? There's no cell phones. He's not, like, calling them up. He didn't go to the pay phone on the street. There's no way to communicate in, in that time. 
but he knows to go there and he knows that something's going to be going on. Why? Because this is something they regularly do. This is what the early church did. And it wasn't like the Northgate special hour on the nose. Okay, we're done. They prayed all night for him in prison. And I think it's always interesting when he gets to the door and the servant girl, Rhoda, answers it. And she doesn't even believe it's him. She thinks it's his angel. You remember that? You're like, oh, yeah, there's not people. What? And then go to the door. You got such faith, you're praying so much that you actually talk about the visitation of angels like they regularly happen. Do you ever think about that? Why did she say that? Is that something you would say? No, we'd be like, oh, that's Peter. I know Peter. But we'd be like, oh, yeah, that's his angel. To me, I'm like, why would she even say that? Unless she was thinking somehow that could be a possibility. So you got prayer, you got the supernatural happening, and it just made me think in terms of how do we pray? I'm not here to guilt you into prayer at all. I'm not here to condemn you about prayer. I'm here to encourage you and talk more about the position, maybe, of prayer that we should take with a very familiar verse when we're looking for change. And we're in a time when we want to see people change, we want to see our nation change, we want to see the church change. Would you guys agree to that? And so then we ask the question, what does that look like? And so just this very famous verse, I'm sure you all know it, you've heard it before, but it says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Okay, we've all heard that, right? Now, if you haven't, that's a pretty encouraging verse. Context is really important. Obviously, it's Old Testament. It's 2 Chronicles 7.14. Well, what is the context? The person praying this prayer is Solomon. And Solomon was praying because he had just built the temple. And he was dedicating the temple. And it's interesting, in the chapter before, he has a long prayer in their dedication service. And actually, if you read it, I think I counted 12 times, God will hear from heaven. So he's dedicating the temple. If we call out, God will hear. If we sin and call out, he will hear. If we go to battle and call out, he will hear. He will hear. He will hear. And he will look at this place. Why this place? Because it was this spiritual kind of epicenter. It's not the time of Jesus. So all the spiritual activity happened around this temple. And it was a picture of God's presence. And they were supposed to call out to God his presence. And he would hear. Very interesting as you go on. And I'll speak at the end. That Daniel, when he's in captivity, opened his window. And where did he pray towards? Three times a day. Jerusalem towards the temple because God would hear because it was a symbol of his presence and if I call out and ask for forgiveness and call out to you God you will hear so as Solomon goes in here to chapter 7 and, and he finishes long prayer he says then in verse 13 when I shut up heaven this is God and there is no rain and there's locusts who devour the land and I send pestilence because God sometimes allows things to happen to bring us back to truth. 
He says, well, then if my people call out, when things are difficult, if then my people will call out, I will hear. And we know our world, we know our lives. They're, you know what? We can't hide from the fact that things aren't going so great. Right? I know one of the things that God's challenged me in recently is instead of reading the news, which I've gone on another little bit of a fast, is every time I think about it, pray. Like, oh, I'm, up, I'm outside of the border. I want my kids to go to a wedding and I want to have the door and open. Just... I don't want to tell you the words I use in my head, but God said, why aren't you praying? Why are you complaining? And how am I supposed to pray? There's a couple of things I just want you to note in here that I heard and read that I, you know, I don't think there's anything original to me, but maybe it would encourage you. First of all, it says, if my people, that, that's really important before we even get into anything else. If my people. Now, obviously, he's referring to Israel, but we know in the New Testament that we're the church. We're Gentiles grafted in. We are the children of God. Amen? If my people. So if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today, you are adopted. You are a child of God. You are his people. If my people. And I think the question we have to ask ourselves when we pray is who are we in prayer? Well, you're a child of God. You are a co-heir with Christ. And you have access with great authority. And that's really, really important that you can come boldly to the throne of God. You know, the world that doesn't know Jesus doesn't have that same access because they don't believe. But yet the curtains have been ripped for us that we enter into the Holy of Holies. That we have access to God at any time. Who are you? You're a child of God. And you can ask your father to move. And because he loves you, he will give you what you need. He will give you the good gifts that you ask for. So when you go to prayer, oftentimes there's a lot of doubt. There's not a lot of power because there's a lack of faith. But if we know who we are, it should increase our faith as we call out. You know, sometimes we want... Uh, how could I explain this? We would want... Arts with us it doesn't start with the government changing things hello do you hear me it doesn't start with the rich people changing things it doesn't stop with the newspapers it doesn't stop with you fill in the blank it starts with us my people because we have access to god I want you to know, not only do we have access because we're God's people, but we have the power of his name. Does that ring a New Testament hint? Hint, if you pray in my name, you're called by my name. If you pray to my name, I'm his child. But if you pray according to my name. Isn't there something, you know, relationship matters and a name matters. 
last summer, I think it was last summer during COVID, we traveled to New Jersey. We should go for a week to the beach, but we stop at our friend's house and they had VBS going on. And so we went over to the church because our friends were helping with that. And it was the final night. And I'll tell you about security. You think they have tight security for a concert and all that stuff. That church was buttoned up like if you were not a child registered in VBS, you, no parent was allowed in the building. They had a cop there. They had like walkie-talkie people at the front. And they had this older lady. And she was tough as nails. And I had all my kids behind me. I went to the door and I'm like... She's like, you can't go in. I'm like, excuse me? I was like, I was a pastor here. My friends are leading this VBS. You can't come in, sir. <laughs> and I was like, really? I can't come in? I was like, I can't believe this. It's like, no, this is for the safety of the children. We don't know who you are. You cannot come in. And just at that point, one of... The lads I mentored when young adults is now the assistant pastor there sees my face. He's like, oh, Dan, come in. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> and he goes to the lady. No, this is Pastor Dan. Sometimes he speaks here. He was a pastor here. Let him in. Just because of my name. There was authority. Because my name represented who I was. And then all my kids, you know, we all walked in together. And everyone gave hugs. And it's like a family reunion because we know them all. And, you know, but I couldn't get in until someone knew my name. And then with my name, there was authority to allow that. And we know in the New Testament, the name of Jesus carries immense authority. And if you look in the Gospel of John, that's so clear. I think it's five times in the middle chapters of John where it says, If you pray in my name, I will do it for you. This is Jesus. Whatever you ask in my name, I think John 14 verse 12. I will do it so the Father will be glorified in heaven. You carry on. And it says clearly. As a follower of Jesus. As you pray in John 16. If you ask in my name. You will receive. And your joy. Will be full. Who are you in prayer? That should increase your faith. And now you just kind of carry on in his name, in the name of Jesus. We have been given authority to call out to God for change in our world. But I would say probably first in our lives. Is that how you pray this morning? Maybe sometimes like maybe God, please Please, you have a good father. And if you pray according to his will in his name, he will answer. And let God's word inspire you and give you faith this morning. That change is possible. I don't know when and how, but because we are children of God and we have the authority of his name, we can call out. I read this week in a little devotional I sent it on one of my prayer letters 
to some prayer warriors, I don't think we'll ever, ever regret in eternity how much we prayed on earth. Why do you think that is? Because we'll be face to face knowing what God is doing. And we'll say, man, why didn't we pray more? Why didn't we pray more? Knowing what we know now in eternity. But we know eternity through the truth of God's word. And we can call out. And Jesus would say, persevere. It's hard sometimes, but persevere. Because who are you? And what power do you have? Just that position. Well, it continues that there is some action, not only knowing who we are and the authority we have, but we're to humble ourselves. Sometimes we don't like that word humility. It's not thinking less of ourselves. You know the definition. It's not thinking of ourself at all. But what I see in that is genuine dependence upon God and not us. You see, it's not our force that's going to change things. It's not our personality that's going to change things. It's not controlling things that is going to change things. It's not making a lot of complaints that is going to change things. It's us allowing God to change things. And how does that start? By letting go of myself. Actually, it's the mind of Christ. Who didn't think of himself but thought of us and humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death on the cross. A year ago in the middle of COVID, I heard a sermon says the way forward is humility because humility brings change. The world says, grab tighter. Jesus says, let go. It's kind of hard for us to figure out because our flesh works totally different. You know that? But God and the way we think are completely opposite. Completely opposite. Humility, the mind of Christ, our greatest weapon. We fight for change in prayer with humility. Complete dependence on the one who can change everything. I love it too because I mentioned before, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 10, but we're in a spiritual battle and we have to use spiritual weapons. And one of the greatest spiritual weapons is humility, forgiveness, love. Amen. And the place of prayer, as you know you're a child of God, it becomes less about you and more about what he's done for you. And that gives you the ability to speak forth in this position of complete humility. Man, it is the way forward. You ever heard someone pray in complete dependence and humility, I'm telling you, it's like electric. And you know it's powerful. Because they're not trying to teach a lesson. They're not trying to convince you. They're just calling out to God, I have no other way. Come. Well, 
after we humble ourselves, obviously we pray, and I've mentioned that, and we seek the face of God. Knowing who we are, knowing the power we have, the position of humility, we just keep asking. We just keep seeking. We just keep knocking. I want to tell you, the devil knows the power of prayer, and you've watched the movies, and you've seen all that, and he'll do everything to distract you in the things of this world from prayer. Prayer's hard. It's a labor sometimes. Not because it's hard to be with the Lord, because it seems like there's so many other things to do, and we don't have immediate gratification when we pray. It's very rare that I pray and it, oh, it just happened. Months, years, years. But yet we know it's the way. And maybe this morning, I think for me, and this week, looking at this passage, I got the boost I needed to say, this is the way. This is the way. No matter what anyone else thinks, this is the way. Prayer changes everything. I was thinking to myself, being at Soli Business a couple weeks ago, it seemed there was so much fruit. And of course, it's a retreat, right? It's not at home and, you know, everyone's fired up. And God uses it when we go away and have a different environment. And I understand that. But why else would God use that that way? And I've come to the conclusion, it's only prayer. You see, that weekend was probably prayed for months and months ahead. Every hour of that retreat was prayed for by more than one person. I mentioned, but even me personally, before I went to speak, I was prayed for before, I was prayed for after, I was prayed for during. Every speaker, same thing. Every man who attended was prayed for, even during the time that they were there. Why does it work? Why does anything bear fruit? It's because we call on God and ask him to move. As I was thinking about this, I thought of Evan Roberts, and you might not know that name, but he was the leading figure in the Welsh revival. This revival changed the country. It was mining at the time in Wales, and they cursed so much at the horses. When the revival came, people confessed so much, they stopped cursing, and the horses didn't know what to do. They wouldn't respond, because they only knew blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and no one swore. All, you know, it says all the establishments that serve excess alcohol closed down because no one was drinking anymore. This is a whole country. And where did it start? How did it start? It started with this guy, Evan Roberts, and he was a young man, but he had a passion to pray. I don't mean just pray. I mean really pray. But I started reading about him. He would spend 12 to 13 hours a day calling out for souls in Wales. Continually. Now, obviously, we can't do that, but it's a great lesson to us that he had this, this passion, and he would see visions of God reaching down to the people of Wales. And he, and, he, and he, one time in prayer, 
with his friend had this thought and prayed, God, would there be a hundred thousand souls in Wales? And he saw God and he saw a picture of God granting that request. It fired him up to, to pray more. And they say in the first couple of weeks of the revival, more, just the first couple of weeks of that revival, more than 100,000 people came to know Jesus. It wasn't one church, it was all the churches. The crazy thing about Evan Roberts is they say he was a good speaker too, but at the end he didn't want to speak, he just wanted to pray. He actually left Wales at the end of his life or the middle of his life in the middle of the revival saying it's not about me. I just want to go to England and pray for the work that's happening in Wales. And that was his heart. And why do I tell you that? Not to say I want to be like Evan Roberts. Sure, I want to pray more. But I want to tell you about the power that there is when we choose to humble ourselves, know who we are in the authority of Jesus, call out to him. What can happen? You see, the battle is won on our knees. The moment I started thinking that, I, every sermon or every song this week seemed to say that. Phil Wickham has an album that some of my kids play, and I even started playing it. One of the songs is, The Battle is Won on Our Knees. Knowing who we are. Knowing the power we have. Taking the position of complete dependence on God and just calling out again and again. Finally, we have another action that we have to, to deal with. You see, as we humble ourselves and, and we pray, it specifically says here in Second Chronicles, we have to turn from our wicked ways. When Evan Roberts started that revival, actually his first sermon was just asking four questions. And the first one was simply this. Is there anything you need to repent of? That was it. He'd finish everything. Is there anything you need to confess and repent of? Then he asked the question, is there any doubt in your mind of something you're doing that you think is sin? Get rid of it. Third question was give God everything. Total surrender. As we heard so wonderfully from Leah, the fourth one was always make a public confession of who your Lord and Savior is. That was it. That's what he would go to churches and say. And as we look here in this prayer, knowing who we are, the power we have, praying and seeking in humility, oh, we can't stop there. We have to turn. We have to turn 180 from what's wicked in our lives. You see, we want revival, we want change, we want to see it in us, we want to see it in others, we want to see it in our country. Well, you know how that starts? Is drawing a circle around yourself and saying, God, I'm sorry, and change the person in the circle. What is it in our lives that could be holding us back? God, forgive me. The beauty of it is in verse 14, he will forgive you because of Jesus. He has forgiven you, but it's recognizing in myself and my wickedness. I simply need him and what he's done for me. And it sets us free. We're so quick to say, world, you got to change government. You got to change. God, change me. 
And as God changes me, what happens is he starts to change those around me. You see, revival doesn't happen here first in the powers to be. It happens on the ground in the people. And as the people change, the power changes. I mentioned Daniel would open that window when they were in captivity in Babylon and cry out to the temple, just like he was told to do here in Second Chronicles by Solomon. And as you read his prayer in Daniel, it's very interesting. Some of the things he says, he says, forgive us, God. He says, forgive us, forgive us. But he doesn't always talk about other people. Daniel, this wise, one of the most godly people in the Bible, says, forgive me. God, forgive us as a nation. God, forgive us as a community. God, forgive us as families. And most importantly, God, forgive me and change me and help me to turn from what is not right. See, God will move. God will heal. His desire is to change the brokenhearted. His desire is to bring hope. His desire is to bring love and joy. But would we allow the Holy Spirit to start with us in the circle? God, I want to turn from what's not right. Holy Spirit, if there's anything in my life, you know what? And sometimes it's not external things, they're internal things. It's the judgment, it's the pride. It's the lack of faith. It's the selfishness. God, take it all. And help me to turn through the power of your Holy Spirit away from that. So as you change me, you'll change my family. You'll change my neighborhood. You'll change my community. You know... Should we talk about turning from sin? Everything's based on grace, right? Should we talk about turning from sin? Everywhere in the book of Acts, where God's moving, you can see sin stopping. You look at the revival in Ephesus, and they're burning all the junk books. They don't want no part of what's not right. Because they know the grace and the love of Jesus trumps all of that. And Titus says clearly, when we understand grace and the work of God in our lives, it teaches us to be holy. It doesn't leave us in our sin. So as we pray and we desire change in us and others, know who you are this morning. You're a child of God. And you have all power through Jesus. All authority. Don't doubt it. Pray it. For what you know is his will. Be in dependence. Live in humility. It's not you. It's him. And so beautiful. Persevere in prayer. Seek his face. Daniel, I'm speaking to myself and to the rest of you. Let's not neglect 
through the busyness of life, the greatest power we have for change. Nothing compares to calling out to Jesus. So we want to do that this morning, and sometimes this might get a little awkward, but we're a small enough group. And if no one prays, I'm A-OK with that, by the way. We can't teach a passage like that and not pray, right? Let's just start us off. And what will happen is, is the Lord's leading you. Just stand up and pray. If you Just allow the Holy Spirit to move in you, knowing who you are. Desiring change in our community, in our hearts, in our lives. Let's see how the Lord will work with us this morning. And your prayers that aren't voiced are just as powerful. Amen. God might be leading someone to pray something specific and we'd be happy to pray it together. So Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace and your love. Thank you that we're your children. Man, think about that. You're the children of God. And we have a good father. We have all authority in the name of Jesus. To call out for what is true in his word. With help and peace. For healing. So many things. 